morning, good people. Welcome back to the Black Girl Budget Podcast. My name is Nikki J, and I am your host. Today, I am so excited to talk about our topic, but first, let me just say shout out to all the listeners who have been here. Thank you all so much for joining the Black Girl Budget community. Thank you so much for your support. I have some very exciting things that are coming up, but before I I can even tell you guys about that, I just have to say, was the month of February crazy for anybody else besides me? I just feel like the month of February got really blurry and fuzzy for the last couple of weeks there, like. There were just so many things happening. Um, but I now that I'm on the other side of February, I, I do have a lot of good things that are going to be coming up. I can't give you all the details yet, but just stick around so you can find out what they are. You all are going to love them. Um, what else is going on? Black History Month was great. Valentine's Day was great. Y'all know my birthday is in February. Shout out to Aquarius. Um, that was really good. I had a really good time for my birthday, actually. And then from there... It just got really crazy. Um, happy Women's History Month. We will be talking about some very important uh, women in our history and how they are just financial bosses. Um, so we'll circle back to that in another podcast episode. Um, I'm just very excited for March. I don't know why I'm very excited for March. I'm happy you all are here. And I'm really happy y'all are here because today we are talking about the art of saying no and how important it is. I've touched on this in a few episodes, but today I want to focus on three very specific scenarios where we need to be able to say, no, nah, ain't going to happen. No, like capital no, it's not going to happen because these particular situations will tend to have negative effects on us um, in the long run. And, And what brought this topic to my mind is I was scrolling TikTok, um, and I saw this this girl. She's like boohoo crying on the internet. Um, and the video didn't start off that way. So let me just preface by saying it did not start off that way. But she was like she was so upset that she she ended up crying. But so she's crying because she has this friend who asked to borrow money from her, and she had just saved up like four hundred dollars. And the friend's like, "Listen, I need to borrow this money from you. You know, can you help me out?" And she tells the friend. I can help you out, but this money is for my rent. Like, I need this money back ASAP. And the friend's like, yeah, 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 I got you. I got you. I'll pay you back. Um, so the girl loans the friend the money, and I think the friend was supposed to pay it, back, pay it back like a week later or so. The week goes by. The friend does not pay it back. So the girl hits up the friend like, hey, where's the money? You're supposed to pay me back. The friend's like, oh, yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, give me some time. So I think like a few days or another week goes by, the friend does not pay her back. Needless to say, her rent is now due. She does not have her rent money and she's freaking out and she's just, she's telling everyone like, listen, I don't care if it's your friend or not. Like, do not let people, you know, borrow money from you if they say they're going to pay back because like they won't. And so she was very upset. She's obviously freaking out because her rent was due. She didn't know what was going to happen. And so everyone in the comments were, you know, pretty supportive, like, oh my gosh, that's trash. That's not really a friend. I agree. It's not really a friend, but, you know, sometimes your friends or your family will borrow money from you and they wholeheartedly think that they can pay you back in time and then something happens and they can't. But in this particular scenario, what I want every everyone in the Black Girl Budget community to recognize is sometimes you got to say no. 
And sometimes you got to say, hell no. And there are three specific situations that we're going to talk about today. The first one is loaning money to people. So I started thinking about this, this girl situation and I was like, you know, there's so many times where we find ourselves in predicaments that we could have avoided if we had just said one word, no. But the art of saying no is a little difficult to grasp sometimes because people who are asking us for money, and our, our first situation is loaning people money, right? So we're gonna focus on that. People who are asking for money can be very compelling sometimes, very compelling, right? And I don't wanna use the word manipulation because I think that's very intentional. Sometimes people are not trying to manipulate us. They just think that the reason they need the money is very important. Now, there are times where people are manipulating us and that goes right back into us loaning them the money. So really, you know, sometimes people can be manipulative. Sometimes people just are really compelling. Sometimes people really do need the money. Here's the thing about loaning money to people. Someone comes up to you and says, hey, friend, I need to borrow $100. I don't even care how much it is. They need to borrow $100. The art of saying no is very important, but but in order to even get to that, right, you got to set yourself up on a framework. You got to know whether or not this is a no, a hell no, or a maybe kind of situation. And for the most part, I'm going to say it's a no, because when people ask you for, for money, they're going to say, hey, can I borrow $100 from you? Here are all the reasons I need to borrow $100. Um, my kid got sick. My dog is sick. My car broke down. I lost my job. I lost $100. I don't know where my debit card is. Um, my partner took the money. You, there are a million reasons why they might need to borrow $100. Some of those reasons are going to tug at your heartstrings. Some of those reasons are even going to boost you up. I remember I had someone ask to borrow like $200 from me. And they're like, hey, can I borrow $200 from you? I really need it to um, enroll in like some class or something. And they were like, you know, you're the only person I know who has it. I know you save money. You're really good with money. There's no one else I can go to. Um, and so that's why I'm asking you, right? So they're like trying to boost me up in the process of asking to borrow me, borrow this money from me, right? Sorry, I have no words today. I have no words today. So they're trying to boost me up in the process of asking to borrow this money. So people are going to come at you with reasons on why they need to borrow it, or they're going to come at you with why they're specifically asking you to borrow it as opposed to other people. So set yourself up on a framework, right? First question is this, are they coming at you even though there are other people they could go to? So why are they coming at you? So, so this is always kind of like a, a red flag when certain people come to me, right? And they're like, hey, can I borrow money from you? My first question is, why did you not ask your parents? Why did you not ask your partner? Why did you not ask your siblings? Why didn't you ask the people that were closest to you? That is like, that's my first question. It's like, why is, and I'm not asking them, I'm, I'm asking it in my, in my mind, but I'm like, why is this person asking me for money? I've had people ask me for money, I'm like, I've not spoken to you in five years. So what are we doing here? You know? So first question is, why are they asking you? Oftentimes they're asking specific people because they've already burned bridges with other people. And so you need to ask yourself that question, right? Cause it's really going to set you up on, on how you're going to respond to this. And I'm telling you, my advice to you is like 95% of the time when people ask to borrow money, the answer should be no, but, but I'm going to tell you why. 
okay, so they, they ask you to borrow money. Your first question to yourself is, why are they asking me to borrow this money and not somebody else? Now we want to talk about how much money they're asking you for. I remember someone told me that like a family member of theirs came to them and was like, can we get $5,000 out of you? (laughs) This was not to me. This was to another family member. And um, one of our family members asked to borrow $5,000 from them. This person was married. This person has parents. And this person is a grown adult individual, like, close to their mid 40s I think so um you know when I learned of this story like years after it happened I was my first question was why did they ask you for the money instead of asking you know their parents or their siblings or or their spouse or their spouse's parents my second question was why five thousand dollars right so like it is insane to me how much money people will ask for, but but I recognize that people are going to ask, right? So the next question is like, how much money are these people asking for? Is it a lot? Is it a little bit? Five thousand dollars is a lot of money. I don't care how you slice it and dice it. Five thousand dollars is a lot of money. So you're going to ask yourself, is that a lot of money to you? If someone asked to borrow a hundred dollars from me right now, I'd be like, nah, it's not a lot, but. I would miss it maybe at some point. Um, but for other people, they might be like, $100? Nah, I don't got it. So so the first question is like, can you even afford to loan that amount of money out to someone? If you can't, the answer should be no, like off rip, right? Off rip. Because we've already hit the first flag, which is why are they asking me for money specifically? Especially if they're like, oh, I know you're the person who has money in the family. I have money in the family because... I don't loan it out to people, right? So you've already hit your first flag. The second thing is how much money is this? Is it a lot of money to you? If someone asked me to borrow $50 right now, I wouldn't blink about it. I wouldn't think about it. I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, so we're starting with why are they asking me? What's the amount of money? Now, here's the, the third question that we're setting up in this framework, which is, can I afford to lose that amount of money? And this is the pivotal question. This is something that my dad taught us so long ago. And this has always stuck with me. This has always stuck with me. Can I afford to lose that money? So someone comes to me and says, Nikki, can I borrow $25? Can I afford to lose $25 right now? Absolutely, I can. Of course I can. I wouldn't think twice about it. i probably lose $25 just on a weekly basis spending stuff on Amazon, right? Spending money at Amazon. So, and Target for that matter, now that I think about it. Um, so, so the question is, can I afford to lose the amount of money that they are asking me for? And nine times out of 10, I guarantee you the answer is no, I cannot afford to lose this money. And so the way my dad framed this to us is, someone asks you to borrow money. What you need to say is, Are you in a position to give that person the money? If you are not in a position to give that person the money, you cannot loan it to them, right? They, you can't let them borrow it. And so hear the word difference, right? So there's giving people money. I don't plan to get it back. And then there's letting people borrow money where there's some, some uh, expectation that they're going to give the money back. And what my dad's point is, is that 
when people ask to borrow you money, you're probably not going to get it back. So if you're not in a position to give them that money or to lose that money, you can't afford to let them borrow it. And this is where people get tripped up. So if we circle back to the young to the girl in her video where she is boohoo crying because her friend hasn't paid this money back and she doesn't have the $400 and her rent is coming up, she could not afford to lose that money. So her response to her friend should have been, no, I cannot help you. No, I do not have the money to um, to let you borrow. No, it's not going to work. Like the answer just should have been no. But instead, her friend, I don't remember the friend's reason, but her friend had some story, some sob story that tugged at her heartstrings and she really wanted to let them borrow the money. If you cannot afford to lose this money, the answer is no. So someone comes up to me and says, Nikki, can I borrow $500? I am not in a position right now or, or ever for that matter, but I am not in the position to lose $500. And that's coming from someone who has good credit, someone who has a good paying job. I've got no credit card debt, right? Aside from when I swipe it on a monthly basis and then pay it off at the end of the month. I have, you know, money in my emergency fund. I've got money in savings or money in my investment account. I still, I could not sleep at night knowing that I lost $500. And I'm, I'm not talking about like investment type stuff because that, that upsets my stomach as well. But I'm talking about $500 that are missed. I have no real potential of getting this money back, right? Could not sleep well if that were the case. So you really need to ask yourself, can I afford to lose this money? Can I afford to give this person this money? And if the answer is no, you need to say no out loud. You need to say no, heck no, hell no, Absolutely not. Not going to happen. Not however you want to phrase it. That's fine. But you need to say no. And then you need to stick with it because some people will be like, oh, come on, come on, come on, fam. Remember that one time? Help me out. What about? No. The answer is no. Because if they are asking you for the money, we all recognize that they don't have it. Right. So what is the likelihood that they're going to be able to get that money back to you? It's very important. And I really feel for that girl whose friend did not get her. I hope she got the money back or was able to get it from someone else in time for her rent. But it's so important that you recognize that sometimes you're just not in a position to give away that kind of money. And what people will do, and this is where the manipulation comes in. Some people will try to convince you that you're like, just the money guru and you got it you got it you know you're so wealthy you're so rich you do really good with your finances you make so much money you got it this is nothing to you this is something to me I make six figures and this is something to me right so so don't let people's you know compelling stories or their their really sad situations or manipulation get you in a place where you are loaning money that you can't afford to lose so that's the number one situation I just I feel like when loaning and borrowing money come into play, we kind of set ourselves up because we're like, yeah, they'll get it back to me. And then we never see that money again. And now it affects us negatively in our finances. And then it's hard for us to bounce back from that. But we also lose the trust. We lose the relationship. Like it just cascades into so many different issues. So when it comes to loaning money, my, my advice is that the answer is always no. But there are those situations where maybe you know this person, maybe they borrowed money before and they've paid it back. Or maybe you're in a position where if you loan them $75, you're not expecting to get it back. So it doesn't really matter, right? And you never think of it again.
Those are fine situations. Now let's move on to situation number two, because this is kind of where we like shoot ourselves in the foot. We and we talked about this before. Um, we have someone, a friend, family member, whoever that says, hey, I want to go on a trip and do X, Y, Z. You what what's really important in this situation, and I know we've talked about this on another episode, is you have to decide. Are you saying no or are you saying not yet? And this is the art of saying no, right? So in our first scenario, the art of saying no, we really walk through a framework, right? Why are they asking me? How much money is it? Can I afford to lose that money? In this second scenario where we want to go do this thing, we want to go on the trip, we want to go out to dinner, we want to go to the spa, horseback riding, whatever it is, we want to do it. But the the art of saying no in this scenario is, am I saying no or am I saying not yet? And that not yet portion is delayed gratification. And delayed gratification is such an important concept that we completely ignore. We just decide we're not doing delayed gratification. If I want it, I'm going to get it. And if I want it right now, I'm going to get it right now. But you have to really take a moment and decide if I go do this thing, will it benefit me right now? Or will this money benefit me in another way? And then delayed gratification kicks in and I can go do the horseback riding you know, in a month or in two months. That's really how you need to look at it when it comes to situations that you want to do. You want to participate in that thing. You really have to keep in mind that even though you really want to do it and you really want to do it right now and you can afford to do it, right? We talked about that in the early episode. You can afford to do it. The question is delayed gratification. If I wait to do this thing, Will I be able to enjoy it more at a later date? Will the money that I have right now benefit me in some other way, some other capacity? It's going to be really important in those situations where you want to go do the thing. And again, you have to be able to say no or not yet. And I've had several times where I want to do something and I'm like, you know what? Not yet. Not just yet. Y'all don't even know how bad I want to take myself on like a 50 billion dollar shopping spree and just buy all the things that I've ever wanted but I keep telling myself not yet not yet we're not there yet so the delayed gratification has kicked in although I can't go shopping how I want to go shopping right now when I am able to do so I'm going to enjoy it so much more because I'm not thinking of other financial goals and other financial needs that I'm trying to hit right now so you have to be willing to say to yourself not yet or no sometimes you do have to say no but sometimes you can finesse a not yet not right now Right. So in that scenario, keep in mind, delayed gratification is the goal. And on the other side of it is really where you're going to prosper and be successful. Right. Now, let's talk about this third scenario, which I honestly don't know how common this is, but I know that I've heard of friends and family doing this and I have personal experience with this. So if you've ever done this and it did not end well please drop a comment. Let us know how it played out. Um, if if this is something that did end well, please also drop a comment and let us know how it played out. This is co-signing, right? This scenario is co-signing for other people. And typically, co-signing is going to happen on cars, apartments, and very rarely, from, from my experience in talking to people, houses. 
So let's talk about just the co-signing in general. If you're not familiar with the concept of co-signing, it's basically, let's say Bob wants to buy a car, but Bob doesn't really have a good credit score um, or his credit history is not that good. Um, and so the, the finance company is like, I mean, I, I want to give you this car because I'll make money off of you, but I don't really trust that you're going to pay the money back because your credit history is either non-existent or low, or there's something on your credit history that is a red flag to, to the loan company. So they say, well, you came here with a, a friend or family member and um, they look like really nice people. Maybe if we run their credit score, it's high enough that they can co-sign and basically be also responsible for this loan and we can get you a car today. You can drive it off the lot. Brand new 2026 vehicle that you can drive off the lot today. Uh, the friend with Bob says, yeah, cool. I, I will, uh, I'll co-sign for you, right? So they also sign their name on the paperwork. And what happens is that friend is now also responsible for the balance on that vehicle. Co-signing is basically where they say, Bob, you bought the vehicle, but in the event you don't pay, we're going to go after your friend who has also signed and basically said, hey, I'll be responsible for this car if Bob doesn't pay. That's how co-signing works. Um, it might also be called uh, like a, be, becoming a guarantor um, when you do apartments where they say, you know, you want to get an apartment, your credit is bad or you don't have any. If you can find someone who will sign as your guarantor then yep, we will let you get this apartment. And they're basically saying, hey, if Joe doesn't pay for his apartment, you give me a call and I'll definitely pay his rent. That's basically what it is. And I don't know that this ends very well in most scenarios, but what, what will likely happen is that person A, Bob in our scenario, Bob or Joe, they go get this loan, they have a friend who co-signs, and then for some reason, they can't make the payments, right? They can't make the payments on the car or they can't make the monthly apartment payments or, you know, something happens. And now the company is going to that friend to say, hey, it's that time, pay up. We need that money rolling in, right? So, so now they're looking to you, but this can affect your credit score if you were the person who co-signed because if you can't afford to make the payments, now no one is making the payments. And so now this is hitting you and Joe and Bob's credit scores as payments that are not being rendered, payments that are not being made on time, and payments that are not sufficient to cover the entire monthly cost of whatever this loan is, right? So co-signing can be dangerous because, again, that people have compelling reasons on why they need you to co-sign. Please, I really need a car. I really need an apartment. I really need my own space. I'm in the situation, right? And so you co-sign, but something happens and life is crazy, right? You never expect things to happen the way that they do. Things happen and for some reason, Joe and Bob can't make the payments. So now the loan company is coming to the co-signer and the co-signer also can't afford to make the payments because making a $500 car payment is not within their budget. So no one's making the payment. So the car ends up getting repossessed or the person ends up getting kicked out of the apartment and evicted. So all of this is going on everyone's credit score and it is ultimately affecting you very negatively. This is also going to likely affect the relationship that you have with this person. So you have to be very, very, very diligent when it comes to co-signing. 
I am not saying don't ever co-sign, but I'm saying it needs to be a rare occasion. I mean, rare occasion. It shouldn't be something where you co-sign for your sibling and then you co-sign for a cousin and you co-sign for a parent and you've co-signed for five people in the last two years. And you like that is a lot of responsibility and a lot of companies looking to you if any of those people default, essentially. So when it comes to co-signing, you need to make sure that you know what the monthly payment is. You need to make sure that you know what the ramifications are if you are not going to be able to make those monthly payments. And then you need to, before all that, you also need to make sure that whoever you're co-signing for has proven, has shown to you in the past that they are making on-time payments in their own life, that they are making good financial decisions for themselves, and that they are likely to pay you back or to continue to pay whatever the monthly payment is for that loan. And that's really what's important. I don't even want you to pay me back. I just want you to keep making payments on the loan. And so I know I've uh, I've heard of situations where like family members have co-signed for each other and then one family member, and this was for a vehicle, if I recall correctly. So family member one co-signs on a vehicle for family member two. And a few years go by, family member two decides they no longer like the car that they have. Uh, they no longer want it. And they just stop making payments on it. Now, unbeknownst to family member one, their credit score is getting affected, but they're not really sure why. When they find out why, because they check their credit score regularly in their report, when they find out why, they realize that family member two has stopped making payments, but didn't say anything. Just stopped, right? And that's because family member two, being younger, didn't recognize you know, what was going to spiral out of control by not making payments. So here's the thing. You're all, you, if you're co-signing for someone who doesn't recognize the financial implications of this, that's also going to be problematic. But here is what family member number one did in this situation. They're like, all right, cool. You don't like the car anymore. You don't want the car anymore. You don't want to make the payments anymore. Give me the car because it is now my car. I'm going to make the payments on it. It is officially my vehicle. So family member one, takes the car back. They basically repossess it, but like not as a repo company. They take the car back. They now have an extra car, but they can afford the payments. They make the payments and they save their own credit score and their own credit history. This is not something that people can commonly do. So when we talk about co-signing, unless you are in a position to take over the payments, the answer for this scenario should be, heck no, not gonna happen because I can't afford to pay it if you default on it. Now, what I will say is this, and I've, I've mentioned this before, when it came time for me to buy my first house, my only house, <laughs> when it came time for me to buy the house, student loans were atrocious. And the loan company was like, listen, you make good money, your credit score is great, the student loans are holding you back. You either need to find someone to co-sign or we cannot give you the loan. That is what it boiled down to. My parents, thankfully, were in a position to co-sign for me. And I like I don't even think they thought twice about it, honestly. I think I told them. I was like crying. Like, I can't get a house unless someone co-signs. And my parents were like, okay, we'll co-sign for you. But we obviously had the conversation of don't ruin this, <laughs> right? They're like, we, we know that you've been really good about your finances that you're making good money, do not do anything that would jeopardize that. Um, and so they co-sign, we go through the whole process. But a part of the conversation of me um, having them co-sign was, I was like, listen, 
I'm very appreciative of you all co-signing. I'm making all the payments on this. I'm not asking you for any money. There's nothing you need to contribute. The other thing I want you all to be aware of is I need you to co-sign. But after the first two years, I think I said, um, no, I said after the first year, I am going to refinance and get you all off of the loan so that it's no longer your responsibility or burden if anything happens, right? And so, of course, my parents being very wise and smart were like, listen, give it two years. They were like, give it two years and then refinance. And I don't remember why we went into two years, but it made sense. They're like, give it two years and then you can refinance. And that's exactly what I did. But I kept them in the loop the entire time. So what you have to also be cognizant of is communication. Like, what is our plan? Am I co-signing for you for the first year, the first two years? Are you going to refinance? And then you need to keep me updated throughout the process. Hey, just letting you know, it's been six months. I'm still making payments. The loan is good. It's not affecting your credit score negatively. We're good to go. Okay, when a year rolls around, hey, are you going to refinance and get me off of this loan? When two years rolls around, have you refinanced? Have you started getting the paperwork? What are we doing? So communication is also going to be a very big part of co-signing, which is why I'm not saying don't co-sign whatsoever, but it definitely needs to be something that is a rare occasion and you are very well informed of what is going to happen and how this is going to play out and when you will be taken off of that lease. You also need to follow up with them. Hey, is everything going okay? You know, has anything happened that would make you not be able to pay it? That's something that you need to incorporate into that conversation. How often are we following up on this? And how often are you going to let me know, you know, what the next process is, what the next steps are? That's going to be very important when it comes to co-signing. So those are the three situations that I, I want to burn into everyone's mind. Those are the three situations in which you should be saying no, unless, unless you are 100% certain that you are in a position to take over whatever that loan payment is for co-signing, that you are able to lose the money that you are letting people borrow, or that you are in a position to pay for whatever you want to do right now and not go with delayed gratification, right? So those are the three situations that oftentimes will be detrimental to us moving forward. And like in the moment, we're just like, yeah, I'll loan you the money. Yeah, I'll co-sign for you. Yes, I want to go on that trip. But a week later or six months or a year later, we're like, wow, not good decisions that I was making, right? So, so if this has already happened to you, right? If you've already been in a position where you let someone borrow money and they didn't pay you back or you co-signed and it didn't end well or you you know went horseback riding or on that trip and you could have used that money for something else if this has already happened to you that's okay learn from your mistakes recognize that that mistake does not define you and then move on from there but move on with the knowledge of knowing this has happened to me before and i'm going to make sure that it doesn't happen to me again so again, if those situations have happened to you all, definitely drop a comment. Let me know if they played out for better or for worse. Um, and, and let us know like how you got out of that situation and what it was. I think sometimes we, we end up making financial decisions that don't go well for us. And then we just kind of sit on them. We don't want anyone to know about them. We don't want to talk about them because we're embarrassed. But in the Black Girl Budget community, I don't want us to be embarrassed. I really want us to learn and grow from one another and recognize that we're all in this together. These are not 
financial mistakes that are only happening to us, I guarantee you it's going to happen to us and it's going to happen to our kids and our grandkids and our cousins and our aunts and our uncles. It's going to continue to happen. But if we start talking about these mistakes and how we've learned from them and how we've grown from them, we can definitely help other people who are coming behind us or who who just may not be aware of certain situations that are likely to happen. Um, So I hope you all got something out of this. The art of saying no can be very challenging because we want to help people and we want to see people thrive. But if we're not in a position to do that for certain amounts of money, then we have to recognize that we're maybe not the person to, you know, help out in this scenario. Or maybe we need to enlist three or four other people to help out in a particular situation. So um, again, if this has happened to you, definitely drop a comment. Let us know uh, how it played out for you. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel like you've failed or that, you know, this is a mistake. Just learn from it and grow from it. And we're always trying to strive to do better. And when you know better, you do better, right? Thank you all so much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, I'm so excited for everything that we have to come for the rest of this month. We are almost done with the first quarter of the year. Uh, Black Girl Budget Notebooks are still on sale and shipping is still free. So make sure you grab one and um, be on the lookout for some other stuff that's coming up. I can't tell you all yet, but I'm very excited for it. So be on the lookout for some other things that will be coming up. And as always, happy budgeting. I'll talk to you all next week.